Hello, beer, baseball, and Bynes fans. This is Steve Carpenter, Chief Supply Chain Officer for Yakima Chief Hops. Uh, we have another pinch hitter this uh, week. Uh, Mike Gettle is still out uh, uh, doing his day job in uh, Europe this week, and so we've got Joe Catron, who is the Operations Manager for Yakima Chief Ranches, and good to have him on board. And our special guest today is uh, Derek Atkinson from Sweetwater Brewing in Atlanta. And uh, he's a tap room and uh, brewery manager there and uh, also an Atlanta Braves fan. So we look forward to a, a good podcast. Uh, welcome aboard, Derek. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. We're having uh, some success here with beer and baseball here in Atlanta. So Absolutely. it's a good time to be on the podcast. Yeah, that that's great. Uh the Braves are, uh, what, a couple games out there in the uh, uh, three and a half games out. Joe just corrected me. Uh, looks yeah. like you've done your research, Joe. Just a, just a touch. I mean, I just <laughs> brush up a little bit. Yeah. yeah uh, do you get out to the games often, Derek? I do. Um, so I live about 15 minutes from the stadium, five minutes from the old stadium. But uh, I live about 15 minutes from the stadium. So uh, my wife and I, we usually try to hit about 20 games a year. Oh, nice. Uh, we Wonderful. did a lot more when – the stadium was five minutes away, but, um, yeah, we still go to almost every Sunday game. Um, and Mondays and Tuesdays are also, uh, big games for us because we have mutual days off on those days, but, uh, yeah, try to get out there as much as possible. Um, the area around the stadium is incredible compared to what Turner field had. So, um, it gives us a chance to even go up there. If we're not going to the game, we can at least go up to the battery area and have some pints in the, uh, the, uh, the fan plaza, I guess, is, is what you would call it. Good. Wonderful. You know, speaking of beer, thank you so much for sending up uh, some of your wonderful creations. We've got uh, a Sweetwater IPA here, which uh, Joe and I are sampling here as we uh, go through the podcast. Uh, you also sent up some of your famous uh, 420 Extra Pale Ale. Um, yep. I appreciate whatever you guys did to get that on Delta flights because that's my uh, <laughs> only choice for craft beer, and, and it's wonderful to be able to enjoy a, a 420 when I'm getting from point A to point B. And then we've also yep. got uh, some of your Sweetwater 420 strain. Uh, is that G13 IPA? Yes. And uh, then also uh, a uh, Costa, which I believe is a Pilsner. And uh, yes. is that, Derek, is that kind of a, a cause beer? Uh, down below it has Kick Plastic Pilsner. It do, is. Do you have a social um, so, cause? Well, tell me yeah, about so that. We've, we've had a uh, kind of a, a large program that's evolved throughout the past, I don't know, 15 years or so, uh, that it started out as um, Save the Hooch, uh, which our local water supply here in the city of Atlanta comes from uh, the Chattahoochee River. Um and it started out with just protecting that river and it's kind of blown out uh, to a larger program where we now partner with um, several large format uh, nonprofits like Trout Unlimited, um, Coastal Conservation Association, a um, couple other ones. And um, when we wanted to look at evolving that program once more, uh, a partnership uh, plan came into mind of finding another company that is like-minded uh, with us as far as protecting waters uh, for, you know, fishing, skiing, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, and we met with Costa, I guess, probably a year and a half ago. And that's kind of when um, 
I guess the the, the idea started swarming um, was down at ICAST, um, which is a, a really cool fly fishing festival in Florida. And over the course of a year and a half, we started making a bunch of different beers, trying to find one that everybody liked, um, but also more importantly, finding a, a program that uh, both of us could get behind uh, full-fledged. And that's where uh, Kick Plastic came in. Um, we see this throughout the United States now, more and more communities either outlawing plastic straws or plastic utensils, single-use plastics of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this beer is basically to raise awareness for that program of kind of ending the, the cycle of using a fork and then throwing it away, and that fork's going to be here for an, you know another thousand years or so, well sure. past us. Sure. No, it's a great cause. And uh, so it's primarily designed to raise awareness, uh, or is there actually some proceeds from the uh, sales of the beer that goes towards the cause? Yeah, so the the, the proceeds, uh, rather than starting another uh, nonprofit or even a fund or anything like that, are going to go to our four main um, Save Our Water partners, which would be Trout Unlimited, uh, Coastal Conservation Association that I mentioned, um, the Waterkeeper uh, is also going to be one, uh, okay. which the Waterkeeper is now a network of, I think, 25 different uh, metropolitan water supplies, uh, protecting those. Um, and we're funneling money into those because they have the same operations as far as keeping plastic out of the waters that they represent and protect. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bonefish Tarpon Trust is the fourth one. So they're relying mostly on the Keys um, and the, the kind of coastal areas of Florida. Uh, protecting those two species of fish down in the mangroves and stuff like that. And um, the mangroves are kind of being overrun with plastic because they've got all those crazy branches and stuff running through the water. And they just like to basically filter out the plastic and it just gums up all of the the wonderful living spaces that those two breeds of fish kind of need to survive. No, I think it's a timely cause. More and more you read newspaper articles or hear on the radio about... uh, sea life that gets washed up on the shore and and they cut them open and there's all kinds of garbage and plastic inside so uh great yeah. cause uh happy you guys are uh, supporting that uh, i know corporate social responsibility is a big part of what we do here at yakima chief hops and yakima chief ranches and it's it's good to know we've got partners and and customers of ours that are uh committed to doing the same so uh Absolutely. Appreciate that. Very commendable. Absolutely. Hey, hey Jill, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the second time you've actually pinch hit for uh, for Mike uh, over the course of the season. Always enjoy having you on here uh, because of all you do for Yakima Chief Ranches. Uh, give our listeners a little update on what's going on out on the hop field right now. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I uh, really appreciate you guys calling me again. Um, I love all the, all three of those things we discussed earlier too. So it's a it's a natural fit for me. So I I appreciate the opportunity again. And uh, actually with the Braves, that's you know with TBS, that was one of the few teams that you actually I could watch those games. And uh, sure. So those early early '90s teams uh, are still near and dear to me, and I still have all sorts of Braves apparel from that from that era. Yeah. Um, so this one works out good to being able to talk to Derek, a real Braves fan too. So um, yeah, so it's uh, it's June this weekend and so uh typical years um maybe be a little bit further along it seems like um things are really seems like kind of starting to jump now mm-hmm. that days are warming up a little bit and the soil's warming up and um so yeah it's it's early on yet but uh most everything's planted and 
So, um, looking forward to a good growing season, hopefully. So, Joe, maybe you can clarify something for me. I know I've talked to a few growers over the last couple of weeks, and I know because of the snow cover, we were a little bit late getting out roots uh, for yeah. uh, primarily citra and mosaic, uh, yep. but some other varieties. Um, a few of the growers were a little concerned about citra and how quickly, or how slowly, I should say, it was jumping out of the ground. What are you saying? Uh, do you think it's uh, too early to panic? Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're hoping not. Yeah, we're trying not to panic yet. It is a little bit early. Um, and, you know, we have we have planted pots later in June uh, before mm-hmm. and still come away with, you know, less than, less than ideal yields, but still, you know, pulling in hopefully, you know, six, six bales, something like that on a lot of those fields. So Good. we're hoping those are going to emulate a lot of those later plantings. Um, and really start taking off here. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I know there's a lot of our customers that are counting on a, a decent citric crop, and and we want it just as bad as they do. So Absolutely, we'll, we'll keep track of that. But uh, so so Jerry, getting back to the Braves because uh, we need to talk a little baseball here. Uh, like Joe, I mean, I grew up with all those Bobby Cox teams, and yep. uh, you know those yep. wonderful pitchers that they had, Smoltz and. Glavin and uh, Maddox, Greg Maddox, yeah. Um, Steve Avery, Steve, Steve Avery, Avery, absolutely. Yep, another and, left. Uh, Chipper Jones was uh, hitting the ball pretty consistently back there, back then. Uh, a, a new Hall of Famer. Uh, those were the teams I kind of enjoyed watching too. And yeah, a big part of it was the fact that we had TBS out here yep. uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, that and we had you could get WGN and watch the the Cubbies the the Cubs once in a while. Sure, but no, I uh, really uh, back in the day a lot of those unsung heroes on those teams like the Mark Lemkes, Jeff yep. Blauser, uh, yep. you know Ron Ganton, so, had, uh, Otis Nixon, guys like that. Derek, uh, were you following the era. team back in '95 uh, when they won the World Series? Yeah, um, I, I've lived in Georgia my whole life, so um, we had of course TBS as well. So watching a Braves game was, was quite simple. And I was kind of ingrained with baseball from basically the moment I was born. Um, all of my family are huge baseball fans. And um, the way he was saying about WGN um, being a, a carrier of, of nation, nationwide sports. Um, basically I got home from school. I turned WGN on for the day game, Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. uh, cause they didn't play night games um, at that time. It was all day games. So mm-hmm. I would, be able to watch the Cubs and Mark Grace and all those guys. And then sure. I would have time to do schoolwork. And then seven o'clock came on, it was time for the Braves. So that was pretty much my daily rotation of education. Um, <laughs> and with the Braves being so successful back then, it was, it was easy yeah. to be a fan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there that, wasn't, there weren't very many lulls in um, performance back then. Yeah, they were consistently winning that division. And uh, 95, actually, you know, they beat the uh, the Indians. Braves, or the Indians. Mm-hmm. To, the Braves yep. beat the Indians mm-hmm. um, to uh, win the World Series. Uh, you know who the Indians beat to uh, get to the World Series? That have been those Mariners. It could have been the probably the last Seattle Mariner team that uh, had any <laughs> chance of being called good in the history of baseball. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But just that, that uh, sounds like a that sounds like a, a brace friend from like five years ago. <laughs> there was whenever we went through our rebuild at the start of the rebuild, and we yeah. had uh, you know our AAA team probably could have beat the the major league team 
certain days, but um, yeah, it, it would. We got we went through some quite depressing times there for a few years. Yeah, yeah, I know. There were some there were some dark seasons there, but at least with your organization, there was some clarity and says, "Hey, we're gonna unload. We're gonna rebuild here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Mariners have a, a unique fan base that for some reason just keeps going to games despite just an. <laughs> Ambiguity case, that, case that radiates from the front office. Case um, in point, yeah. Joe is heading to Seattle after the podcast. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, there's a few of us that uh, we just, you know, when we have bad teams, that just gives us a, an opportunity to get a little closer to the game. You know, seats sure. are a little bit more exactly. uh, accessible. <laughs> but uh, and, hey, hey, and that stadium is, is gorgeous. Oh, it's it's one of the finest it, places. It, it's nice. And, and speaking of stadiums, I mean, you guys have, uh, what is it, two, three years old, SunTrust Park there in Atlanta? Yeah, it's, this is its third year. Third uh, year? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little yeah, bit about the ballpark. What do you what do you like about it compared to Turner Field? Um, I mean, the, the outside area. So Turner Field was, you know, a converted Olympic stadium. So, right. Um, it wasn't designed from baseball for baseball to begin with. So they had to, you know, change it a lot and, and make it fit. And there were originally all these plans for, you know, restaurants and hotels and stuff outside the stadium for patrons to enjoy. But all of that just kept falling apart um, to the point of, you know, that stadium was open for 20 years. And um, if you wanted to have a beer prior to going into the game, you had to stand on black asphalt to have it, have it. So, mm. um, the stadium was not conducive to, you know, having a, a 420 or an IPA beforehand unless you wanted to, you know, get sunburned both ways, both in the sun <laughs> above you and on your kneecaps from the asphalt below you. So, yeah. Um, so SunTrust Park, uh, they remedied that problem uh, and then some. There's, I think, last time I, I went, there were 12 restaurants that were open uh, as well as probably a half dozen that are, you know, geared towards alcohol only uh there's a brewery there now um so there's a lot of places and a lot of uh excitement that can build a fan base around it's not just hey come to the game and then go home it's come to the game market the hell out of the team at the game and then outside the stadium you're going to be hit with the the fans experience as well so Mm -hmm. it creates a better fan experience but also better fans uh, when you're able to give people an incentive to come to the games not just the team but the experience around the team the camaraderie that comes with you know having a pint of beer with someone you don't know and talk baseball for you know two or three hours before it's all over said and done but um yeah the the outside area is is definitely the key point the omni hotel um that they built outside has a rooftop patio or a, a rooftop pool that you can see into the stadium on so um, we did that twice last year we bought a ten dollar ticket to go to the pool and we watched from obviously you're outside the outfield so you're far away but Mm -hmm. uh, when you have a pina colada and swim trunks on there's (laughs) few places that i'll complain more about watching baseball from no that's good and it helps to have a good baseball team too and and atlanta seems to have a, a a decent team this year they're off to a good start they're chasing the phillies um and and the Phillies have a good good ball plug uh, uh, team as well, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. uh, I know you guys. Uh, where were you guys at last? Uh, you were at Washington and got uh, swept, I think. But you've got yeah, we had um, we had two games. Um, we were off on Memorial Day, which I think I think there were four teams that were off on Memorial Day. Wow, that's weird. The Braves hadn't had a Memorial Day off since 1985. 
goodness. And Brian Snitker, the manager for the Braves, he had never had a Memorial Day off in his 43-year baseball <laughs> career. So um, yeah. I, I chalked the last two games up to all of those players and managers taking full advantage of Memorial Day. And, there you go. You know, maybe getting a little too hydrated. Yeah, a little, little too many uh, 420s maybe, something like yeah. that. Uh, no, yeah, that's... Brian Snicker, his uh, daughter actually had their wedding reception here. So I know Brian Snicker had one or two too many 420. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, so uh, of the uh, current uh, Braves team, uh, who's your favorite player in that group? My favorite player, I mean, it, it's got to be Ronald Acuna. Uh, okay. He's, he's taken the, the kind of lead on, sorry, Ronald Acuna Jr., mm-hmm. um, his dad is equally as nice, but um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is is just taking the city by storm. It's remarkable to see how many jerseys in the stands and stuff of of a player that has only been in the league for a year now. Obviously, right. you know they signed him to a hundred million dollar contract yeah. um, earlier this year, which locked him up. But um, a player that has stood out uh, in his short time frame, I think fifteen games now he's been in the on the team is Austin Riley. Um, who a lot of people thought was going to be the third baseman this year, but um, Alex Anthopoulos signed Josh Donaldson to a one-year deal uh, yeah. to put him at the hot corner to add some home runs because Austin Riley was up and down. He had some injuries last year, so there was some concern, but um, I think so far Austin has put those concerns to bed, and, and now Ender Enziarte is going to be without a job uh, once he comes back from the disabled list, or injured list, sorry. Yeah. No, that's awesome, and we appreciate very much uh, getting Josh Donaldson out of the American League. I mean, when when he came up with the Oakland A's, he was just a Mariner killer. I mean, he you hated to even see Oakland come into town because you knew he was going to be over there at third base uh, just waiting for a key moment to put a dagger in our hearts. And then I think he was with Toronto for a couple of years, and I think part of the year last year with the Indians, I think. Yeah, he's been kind of banged up the last yeah. couple of seasons, yeah. but – but uh, no, thank you for uh, putting him on a National League squad for us. And and hey, you, you know your shortstop Dansby Swanson has uh, is off to a good start. He's got uh, I think ten home runs and thirty yeah. thirty some odd um, RBIs. So uh, yeah, he, he's I think a good he's young talent. On the team in RBIs. So yep. yeah, he's having a su- super successful year. And yep. I mean, he was injured all year last year. We had um, the. I don't think it was the opening series. I think it was the second series on the road that we had was in Chicago. And, it's, you know, March games in Chicago or even April games in Chicago so, are always a roll of the dice. Sure, um, yeah. And it had snowed, I think, two days prior to the Braves getting there. And then the day of, it was, you know, flurrying and, and things yeah. like that. It was like 36 degrees, just no reason to play baseball, let alone put, you know, that many – players down on the field in harm's way but sure of course during that game dansby swung um and his wrist popped and he uh was out for probably a week they didn't back then the disabled list was two weeks so they didn't put him on the dl for two weeks but um he wound up having to have surgery on that in the fall in september and he missed the playoff run uh, mm-hmm. which was a big hurt to the braves but um i talked to him in the off season and he had like a marble sized piece of scar tissue removed from his wrist mm. um that was around that joint that had popped whenever he swung wow. that bat so he uh yeah. he was fighting through that all year and he's still super young i think he's 23 24 years old so yeah um 
you know, I had no idea what I was doing with my life at age 23 or 24, let alone trying to be a, a native kid, a local kid, because he sure. went to Cobb County. Oh, um, cool. So everybody was kind of hoping that he would succeed, and he's had probably some some struggle with that. But, yeah, this year he has yep. – he's been a firework to, uh, to the fan base. Yep. And then you've got the perennial all-star over there, first base, Freddie Freeman. Uh, he's, yes. He's off to a pretty, pretty decent – start as well hitting over 300 and 13 dingers and and uh he's a yeah, fun was, one to watch too yeah his his defense is remarkable his his wife made him go to yoga classes when they first met so that's how he's <laughs> able to do all those stretches at first base i don't know if you've seen him do one of his splits before but yeah it's uh it's humbling to watch and, and, and antagonizing to remember but um <laughs> but yeah uh, i was looking at some stats last week uh, just because every year Freddie Freeman is does well, but mm-hmm. um, I was looking at some some more advanced stats and stuff like that. And uh, this year he's on pace for his best year in his career, which is kind of staggering to think about because he has been so successful even on those terrible teams that we had five or six years ago. Um, you know, team batting average was I don't know like two twenty one year, two twenty five halfway through the season, but he was still at like two ninety seven. Uh, which when you have a team of 230 and 240 hitters, uh, you shouldn't really get much to see to hit. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's got those long arms, and you could pitch it in the other batter's box, and he's going to eventually put some wood on it. So Yeah. Well, the yoga thing is just further proof that behind every successful man is a woman. It's you true. know, it's true. It, we have to admit <laughs> that. No, he's um, a stud exactly. over there. It's, uh, it seems like, you know, there's there's a little bit more – more importance based on defense and you know, put on defense in the, in the national league. Uh, you know, the Mariners have been trying to watch three DHs try to fill the role of one first baseman this year for the Mariners. <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, it's tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of those plays that those infielders are making unloading the ball and counting on the first base and, the, and to pick them up over there is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having a first baseman over there like Freeman is, is, uh, important for a winning ball club. Certainly. Yeah, and the the Braves definitely focus heavy on defense. You know, they've got Ron Washington, the former uh, Rangers, Rangers manager, 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 as the third base coach, and he's the infield coordinator. And if you get out to the stadium early, uh, like right when gates open, you'll see Ron Washington out there with every infielder just doing all these different little one hop drills and stuff like that. And um, it's it's paid off. Uh, the Braves are again compared to where they were a few years ago prior to Ron Washington. Obviously, more talent with those. Uh, good players coming in, but um, you know it's it's easy to mess up some of those infield balls and outfield balls. And Ron's been out there every day, just one knee, just hitting these little one hoppers. All the infielders making sure they're good. And I, yeah, I, the I think they have tenth I, or so uh, in errors this year. The Braves are so. Yeah, well, we know who's number one in the major leagues, and uh, Joe's going to be watching them play this evening. And it's, uh, and it's by a far, by, by a long shot. That's <laughs> not even close. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess there is something to this wild theory that uh, you know pitching defense wins baseball games. <laughs> they had us fooled for the fifth, first fifteen games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, okay. yeah. I think there's a sense of confidence that comes to a pitcher when he knows that if a ball is hit on the ground, um, he doesn't necessarily have to worry about it going through a player's legs, but. Yep. If you're a Mariners pitcher, um, I would imagine anytime you hear a bat crack, you're concerned. Yep. 
And, and speaking of ball going through legs, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, at least mention Bill Buckner and uh, his passing uh, yes. this week at uh, the young age of 69. Actually had him uh, sign a ball for me down at spring training oh, wow. two years ago. And <laughs> this, is, this is a true story. Uh, I handed him the ball. It dropped and went right between his legs, <laughs> and he went, and he gets up and he's just smiling, and I'm smiling, and he, he said, "I didn't do that on purpose," yeah. and, and I believe him. But uh, no, it's it's quite a shame, you know. He's obviously remembered for the the game in or game six there. That um, that guy could hit the baseball. He could hit the ball, and yeah. I was I heard yep. something that the day after he passed, I was listening to some sports radio, and you know in this day and age in baseball how it's launch angle and everyone's it's either strike out walk or home run mm -hmm. bill buckner never struck out three times in a game yeah i saw that pretty I, impressive I, yeah i saw that on the uh, actually it was on the uh, game last night uh, which is another one i i i uh i mean that shook me i was watching the uh, cubs and the uh, uh astros game last night when uh, albert almora Oh, hit yeah. that line drive mm -hmm. and hit that little girl. I tell yeah. you, that shook me up. I, uh, you know, I, my wife was over at uh, my son's place and came home, and she says, what's the matter with you? And I says, watch this. And uh, they were showing the replay. And, uh, I mean, you should be able to take your four-year-old daughter to a baseball game and not worry about her getting mm -hmm. <laughs> hit, her or he getting hit by a baseball. And uh, I think that... Uh, the latest I've heard is she's going to be okay, mm -hmm. but uh, it just uh, goes to show that uh, these Major League ba Baseball players are human too, and it, it, it really affected uh, both the Cubs and the Astros, but especially uh, um, the young man, Elmora. Yeah. Yeah, Elmora. Um, yeah, the Braves put up uh, netting all the way to the end of the dugout um, at SunTrust Park, and it's mm -hmm. not the short net, it's the, the tall net um, that goes all the way up. Yep. Um, but yeah, every stadium. If, if, if they don't have it towards the end of the dugout at least, then, I mean, I would like to see it all the way down past the, the infield dugout sections. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, a, there's, a, I mean, there's, there's a fair compromise in there. You know, you, you don't want to completely cage everybody in, um, but you do. There's, a certain, there's certain angles there that yeah. need to be protected more than others, and I would agree. Somewhere, somewhere at the end of the dugouts yep. seems to make sense. I, mean, I don't care how much attention you're paying playing to the game. Yeah. Uh, that ball's coming at you 100 miles an hour plus. Yep. And no yep. matter how good you might think your reflexes are, uh, it's tough to get out of the way. But uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, I, I find myself looking at, you know, stats or something like that during a game. And, yeah, and I, I don't even think about it at times. But, you know, I'll come back up and be like, I was blacked out there for about 90 seconds. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there's too much distraction in the game now, especially with cell phones and everything else that um, – you know, we see it with making cell phones illegal to use while behind the vehicles. You've got to, you know, you got to make people pay attention uh, one way or the other. And sometimes mm -hmm. you got to put a seatbelt on them. And, and that's the case with that netting. Well, um, and, and we all enjoy a beer or two during the game, too. And that doesn't exactly indeed. sharpen our reflexes uh, when, a, when a baseball is coming at us. But uh, and speaking of beer, I mean, thanks again for sending this, this beer up. We've... Uh, I'm just finishing my uh, uh, Sweetwater IPA, and uh, yep. I'm not and sure. We use. I, I was going to say I'm not sure what hops you use in there. I'm, I'm picking up maybe a little Simcoe. Is the dry I hop have, is that close? 
Yeah. Um, so that beer is heavy Simcoe. Um, Love it. And it's Yakima Chief uh, Simcoe. Um, oh. And we use, um, I think, 24 boxes in total on a thousand barrel batch of that beer. So typically wow. when we brew IPA, it's into a thousand barrel tank. Um, and yeah, we use. Uh, nine on the, the hot side and 14 on the dry hop side. So definitely huge Simcoe on the aroma. Love it. Um, from you guys. And then the G13 that I sent as well, um, that one has 15 boxes of Simcoe in it. Um, so that's our hazy IPA with uh, terpenes and hemp flavor. So, so a, a fresh can of that or a fresh draft of that is going to smell like a fresh bowl of weed. Um, oh, wow. Joe just cracked open uh, the... Uh, uh, th- that beer uh, and yep. uh, is trying it now. I, I hope that uh, your lovely wife is driving over to see Absolutely. Okay. We got that all planned out. It's actually the father-in-law. <laughs> oh, father-in-law. So, yeah. That's even better. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I'm. No, that was, right? Cracking that open. Oh, that's, my uh, goodness. The aroma is amazing on that. That is an outstanding beer. Derek, do and, you know where you're uh, sourcing that uh, the hemp from right now? Um, it's from a company in Massachusetts. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. Um, I can, I can certainly send that to you guys. You can add it into an appendage or something like that. But, um, but it's a company based out of Massachusetts. That's, they, they essentially are able to recreate strain specific aromas, um, with legal sources, essentially. Um, you know, they use a lot of different flavor profiles and like gas chromatographing um to to find certain aromas uh, that they can mirror um it's they they pitched it to us probably a year and a half ago and you know it's it's one of those times where you you you, i mean there's sometimes in beer where you're you just go stone-faced because it's so you know high level intellectual that you don't fully understand it and you think back well it's just beer but in this case it was super high-end science that was coming into play and the, the first samples that they brought to us on what they were able to recreate, I mean, we immediately knew what we wanted to do with it. And, and so that 420 strain is a whole separate line of beers for us um, that are like seasonals, but G13, the one I sent, that one's available year-round um, in all of our markets, and that beer is now number two in all of our portfolios. So it goes 420 number one, and then 420 strain, G13, is the number two beer that we produce right now. Um, and you know, with especially Georgia being so hesitant on anything weed or marijuana related. Um, I I personally did not believe that it was going to take off the way it has, but um, it has absolutely skyrocketed. And and I I bet if I go downstairs to the 1330s, our largest fermentation tanks, two of those three will be full of G13. Um, Just trying to keep up. Times are changing. That's for sure. So, (laughs) uh, Hey, Derek, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been amazing having you on and having somebody with some good baseball knowledge. Uh, we wish the uh, Atlanta Braves good good luck the rest of the way, and uh, hopefully they can hang in there and nab a playoff spot, and who knows what happens uh, after that. And, as long uh, as the Phillies lose. Yeah, th- there we go, <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know. It looks to me like Mr. Harper might be heating up a little bit up there in Philly, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but, yep. uh, hey, hey, Derek, whether you're brewing beer or watching baseball, we wish you nothing but uh, great hops. Well, same to you guys, and, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's chat again. Let, let's do it. Yeah, I would love to stay in, in touch. I, I was down at uh, 
Sweetwater at the brewery two years ago, uh, kind of visiting some of our customers down there. Really impressed by what you guys are doing. Uh, keep it up, Joe. Thanks for joining us again. Appreciate uh, it, sir. And for pinch hitting on short notice. And uh, thanks and and uh, best wishes for a, a great rest of the season there in Atlanta. And, and please keep making great beer and anything we can do to help. Let us know, Derek. All righty. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Take Derek. care. Bye. Bye.